Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Ash Wednesday, February 10th, 2016, on the basis of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Nearly two-thirds of all adults in America suffer from a condition known as intestacy. Contrary to how that sounds, it has nothing to do with your digestive system. Rather, that condition known as intestacy is when a person's estate, when the condition of the estate of a certain person is not in any way governed by any sort of legally binding will. In other words, two-thirds of adults, two-thirds of grown-ups in America do not have a will. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this evening as far as who falls into that category, but I think it does illustrate an important truth. There are a lot of people that either don't want to or don't feel the need to deal with their own pending death. Of course, when we look at it objectively, we realize it's a dangerous game to play, right? And of course, not just when it comes to our estate, not just when it comes to financial concerns, but also when it comes to our eternity, when it comes to spiritual concerns. In the words that I just read to you this evening, Jesus told a parable about a man to illustrate the danger of putting off dealing with death. See, there was this man, he was a farmer, and and Jesus tells us in the parable that he was already very wealthy, but, but this particular year he hauled in this massive harvest. So big, in fact, that he had to tear down his current barns and put up new ones and store all of his grain in there. And as soon as he was done with all of that work of bringing in that harvest and storing up that grain, he, he ran a few projections and he crunched a few numbers and he realized that he could take life easy for many, many, many years to come. But then God appeared to him and let him know that he had different plans in mind. God let him know that that very night, death would come and knock at his door. And then God asked, Who is going to get what you have stored up for yourself? You can imagine Jesus wasn't asking this man if he had his will all written out. Jesus wasn't concerned about what would happen to this man's stuff. No, Jesus wanted this man to be concerned about what was going to happen to him. That very night he was going to die then what? You know, that's a healthy question. Not a pleasant question, but a healthy question. For we who are sons and daughters of Adam to keep close to our minds, then what? And of course, because by nature we don't like to think about death, we don't like to talk about death, it's good for us to have at least one day each year, a day known as Ash Wednesday, a day that makes it impossible for us to keep that question, then what, too far from our minds. If you were here this past Sunday, you know that we took place in a very long-standing tradition within the church to take the dried-up palm fronds from the previous Palm Sunday and burn them to make the ashes for Ash Wednesday. Now, I don't know how long that custom has been around. I don't know exactly the rationale or the the whole explanation behind it. But 
from what I can tell, there's at least one benefit to getting the ashes from those dried up palms. You see, if you were out there on Sunday, or, or as you can even imagine, take that palm frond that's been sitting around for the past year and is all dried up, you light it on fire, and boy, it sure goes up fast. Imagine instead if we stood around and, and burned a nice big piece of oak. We'd need kindling just to get it started, right? And then we'd have to sit there and patiently wait as it slowly turned to carbon. And we'd be getting a message that's very different from the one that the scriptures deliver to us. God's word doesn't say all men are like oak. God's word says all men are like grass. And their glory fades just as quickly as the flowers in the field fade. So it's good for us to have this day called Ash Wednesday, a day that confronts us with that reality, that confronts us with our mortality, that forces us to ask that question, then what? Because, of course, as soon as we ask the question, then what, we're immediately led to ask another important question. Now what? If the brevity of this life on earth is certainly followed by an eternity in the life to come, then the way that we spend the brevity of our life on earth will surely be impacted. Unfortunately for the man in the parable, the way he spent his time on earth was characterized by just one sharp, blunt word from Jesus. He said, you fool. And it's maybe the man's own words that, that most warrant that description. See, after he had done all of the work, after he had brought in that harvest and, and stored up all of that grain, it's almost like he had this little conversation with himself, this little inner dialogue. Literally, he said to himself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things laid up for many years. So rest, eat, drink, and be glad. Four consecutive imperatives, four consecutive commands that, like I said, the man sort of addresses to his own soul or spirit. Now, of those four, two of them were very much in place, but two of them had no business belonging. You see, this man, like all of us, was trying to address very real needs of his spirit. He had every right, on the one hand, to want to find rest, every right to find peace, and satisfaction. We all do. We were made to. On the other hand, he had every right to want to be glad, to find joy in life, to find fulfillment in life. We all do. We were made to. Only problem was he was trying to address those needs of his soul with the activities of his body by eating and drinking. In other words, he was trying to fill the void in his soul with the very same stuff that he had used to fill up his brand new silos. And of course, the folly with such an approach is that at some point, whether it happens this very night or whether it happens decades down the road, is that at some point, that soul that each one of us has that same conversation with, that soul is going to be separated. Not only from our body, that soul is also going to be separated from our silos, and from whatever we filled them with. So friends, as far as I can tell, there's kind of one important question for us to ask ourselves on this Ash Wednesday. 
What have we been piling up in our silos in an attempt to fill up our souls? Of course, in the parable, specifically, Jesus very bluntly addresses the dangers of greed and materialism, of filling up our silos with wealth and money and telephones and televisions and tablets. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about greed and materialism tonight because, like I said, we're going to review all of the Ten Commandments and we'll get to the seventh one as well that talks about honoring and using God's gift of possessions. Instead, I wanted to talk about a temptation that Satan brings to us that is much more subtle. You see, as we review those Ten Commandments, just as Satan tries to to lead us to fill up our souls with the heap of, of things that we can pile up in terms of the goods that we can acquire, he also tries to get us to fill up our souls with the good that we can accomplish. In other words, our obedience to those Ten Commandments. All of the times where we try and do random acts of kindness or where we try and pay it forward. All of the times where we compare ourselves to other people, where we look in the mirror and think that in some way, shape, or form we're better than the people around us. Make no mistake, Satan will take absolutely anything, even the very best of things, even our obedience to the Ten Commandments, and he will fool us into thinking that we can satisfy the needs of our soul by piling those things up in our silos. So friends, it's a good thing to have Ash Wednesday every year. It's a good thing that, that this bowl is sitting in the front of church tonight. It's a good thing to be confronted with the fact that at some point in our future, that soul of ours is going to be separated from our bodies. That soul is going to be separated from everything that we've piled up in our silos, whether we've piled up great wealth or whether we've tried to pile up our own good works. And yet it's also a blessing that there's a second bowl in front of us this evening. I don't know if you noticed it. It's in the front of our church every week. It's usually covered up, but it's the bowl that's in our baptismal font. You see, if, if these ashes are the curse, and if sin is the cause, baptism is the cure. You see, in baptism, God does something very powerful to us. God sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts. And the blessing of having the Holy Spirit in our hearts is that when you and I have that same conversation with our own souls, that little internal dialogue, we're not left to the voice that just comes naturally to us. In fact, it is the Holy Spirit's primary job to testify with our spirit. In other words, to take over that conversation and to let his words be the ones that we hear. It's the Holy Spirit's job to take over that conversation and continually point us to Jesus Christ. When Satan loves to accuse us with all of our pathetic disobedience to the Ten Commandments, the Holy Spirit comes along and he points us to Christ's perfect obedience to those very same commandments. It's the Holy Spirit's job to remind us that Christ's performance, history's only perfect ten, is our only hope for God's approval and eternal life. It's the Holy Spirit's job to come along and remind us that just as we are sons and daughters of Adam, we are also sons and daughters of God. 
the Holy Spirit's job to convince us that, that what we're looking for in our soul can't be found in any silo, but it can be found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.